Welcome to Spielin' and Dealin', the Georgia High School Basketball Podcast. I am Kyle Sandy, the owner and founder of SandySpiel.com, and with me today is sadly no one. Ramin is out traveling around the world, living his best life, as the kids say, and we have the state championships to cover, so it's going to be a one-man show, as it's been um, as far as covering the state of Georgia high school basketball goes by myself throughout the year. I don't have my trusty sidekick, but... The show must go on. I will do the best I can. I have my water with me. I'm going to have to have some cough drops after this, I have a feeling. But we have the state championships starting tomorrow, Wednesday, March 6th. So we need to get this show on the road. And without further ado, let's get right into it. 2 o'clock on Wednesday, March 6th, as we just mentioned. 2 p.m., Class A Private Girls kicks off we have holy innocence versus wesleyan and the tale of the tape here is uh you know pretty much the same as always these two teams meet every single year this is what their fifth straight meeting um wesleyan coming in as the number six seed uh ranked third in the state in the final poll at 28 and three going up against the number one overall seed in the number one ranked team in our final state rankings holy innocence who was 24 and seven started off the season slow uh, a little banged up had some people missing but really started playing good basketball but these two teams this is exactly as last year wesleyan was a six seed Holy Innocence was the one seed. And in case, if you don't know what happened last year, uh, Wesleyan really hammered Holy Innocence after they lost uh, every single matchup to them last year. Uh, they won 61-44. to A.C. Carter had 14 points, 11 rebounds. Paige Lyons, as a freshman, had 10.6 rebounds. Uh, looking at Holy Innocence, Jada Farrell had 13 points and 9 rebounds. Jill Hongshed. 5 points, 16 rebounds, and 3 blocks. So how did we get here? Wesleyan, as they did last year, not as impressive, but still impressive. Nonetheless, beating St. Francis, a team that they just can't get to the state championship. They have all this talent, all these transfers every single year. One of the longest teams in the state, one of the most athletic teams in the state. And they can't get to Macon because Wesleyan just outclassed them again, 66-52. A.C. Carter, the junior, 25 points, 19 rebounds. You got Callie Weaver, 11 points. Paige Lyons, 10 points. Nicole Azar, 10 points. And Wesleyan handles their business. They get to the state championship. How did Holy Innocence get here? 70-30 to 30 against Calvary Day. Calvary Day hitting that, uh, that glass ceiling of you get to the Final Four in Class A Private, and that's pretty much your state championship because you just can't compete with these other teams that are just loaded year in and year out. Freshman Mara Hudgens, 13.6 rebounds. Jada Farrell, 12 points, 9 rebounds. Jill Hollingshed, 10 points, 8 rebounds. So these two juggernauts meet again. And during the regular season, Holy Innocence won 68-63. to Paige Lyons was dinged up in that game, was not 100%, was very hurt uh, for Wesleyan. And then in the region championship, Holy Innocence did it again, 72-50. to so just looking at that, you'd think, wow, Holy Innocence, they should, uh, they should be in good shape. Not so fast, my friends. Listen to this stat. This is very interesting. In all three of Wesleyan state championship years over these past, you know, I guess four going on five now, in these past three state championships, every single time they lose every game to Holy Innocence in the regular, regular season, we're not including the uh, region tournament, region championship, but all three state championships have come in years that they failed to beat Holy Innocence in the regular season. 
Holy Innocence has really dominated this matchup in the regular season, but when it comes, push comes to shove the state championship on the line, all the marbles up for grabs, it's Jan Azar who always finds a way to just outclass Holy Innocence. And uh, we could see that again this year. I mean, Wesleyan won in 2015, 2017, and 2018. Holy Innocence won in uh, overtime, I believe it was, 66-64 in 2016. But Wesleyan, 13 state championships, two state championships in a row. Uh, I just, I am not picking against Wesleyan. We've seen this story before, Holy Innocence. Uh, you know, it's just Wesleyan playing rope-a-dope with them. And then when the lights are the brightest, uh, Holy Innocence just has not been able to get the job done. And both teams still young, not a lot of seniors on either roster. Uh, I think Wesleyan a little bit more experienced, maybe, uh, considering A.C. Carter is a junior. and uh, I know Jada Farrell's a junior as well for Holy Innocence. But uh, A.C. Carter, I think she's going to have to be the best player on the floor. Just her versatility at about 5'10", plays every single position. Um, just very smart with the ball, can score, rebounds, does a little bit of everything. And, um, you know, for Holy Innocence to win this game, Jill Hongshed just has to dominate. She's going to have to dominate. She's about 6'3", 6'4". She's got to be that five-star prospect that she's pretty much eventually going to be if she's not already ranked a five-star. She's got to be on the block. She's got to dominate. And she's just got to really alter shots around the rim. A.C. Carter cannot grab 19 rebounds like she did against St. Francis. She obviously can't score 25 points against Jill Hongshed. you know, she can, but I'm saying Hollingshed cannot let that happen. And, um, you know, even Wesleyan, we forget about Izzy Larson, very key player that has really filled in that role, left behind from Sutton West as a, a long, lanky forward that does a little bit of everything. Um, it's going to be an interesting matchup. Fifth straight year these two teams have met. Um, but I'm definitely going with Wesleyan for the simple fact that we have seen this before and it has not gone well for Holy Innocence and Big Spots. And I think Wesleyan will advance and win the state championship there 14th. Going on to the boys' side, 4 p.m., March 6th, of course. Number one, St. Francis, number one in the rankings, number one overall seed at 27 and 4. Going up against number two, Elka, who is the number two seed and number two in our rankings at 22 and 8. St. Francis was able to get past Mount Bethel 65-63. They had a lead for it seems like the majority of the game was able to hold off Mount Bethel down the stretch. Um, Dwan Odom, 19.7 rebounds, 9 assists. C.J. Riley hit five threes. He had 19 points. And Chase Ellis, 11-7-5. And you're looking at Elka, 60-44 against Christian Heritage over there at North Georgia. Kamari Smith, 19 points. Trevon Reddish going to College of Charleston, 15 points. Kelvin Jones, 11. Jordan Smalls, 8. But the big thing I'm looking at here in this matchup, the health of Makai Cameron, the leading scorer this year for Elka, averaged 14 points per game, shot 46% from three. He went down early in the second quarter. Uh, he is listed as questionable. It was either a dislocated shoulder or hurt arm. It was an upper body injury in that arm area. And that is key because when I'm looking at Elka, what what they struggled with last year. Now, I know it was a different roster last year. Uh, we had uh, guys like uh, Malachi Rhodes, who's at going to Bucknell, but transferred to Wheeler. Uh, Jermaine Mann was an All-State pick, who's at Stars Mill. 
Um, so they were an inside-out team, definitely. Everything was inside, but addition by subtraction is what Coach Derek Mason has been saying all season long. Um, you lose some of that star power as far as the recruiting aspect goes, and you switch it over and say, here, here are all my hungry seniors, here are all my hungry uh, veteran players that really want a chance to take this team to the next level. Here you go, go get it. And they've been able to do that. But with Makai Cameron out, three-point shooting and just shooting in general has sometimes been a bugaboo for this Elka team. And with Cameron out, that's going to really take away a big-time shooter, and that shifts a lot of the focus on Calvin Jones. Calvin Jones more than capable of carrying this team from the three-point line. Uh, but I know St. Francis knows that, and if Makai Cameron is not 100% healthy and he's not a three-point option, uh, there's not too many options left from beyond the arc. Kamari Smith can shoot a couple of them. Trevon Reddish, uh, last I saw, has only hit like four or five threes this year as a point guard, which is just, which is crazy. That was the one knock on him heading into a senior year is that he is not a good three-point shooter. And I guess he hasn't really needed to take too many threes, but that's something in his game. Once he gets to college, he really has to work on that. He's not going to be able to just get to the basket at will. I know he has a great floor game, but in this day and age especially, if you're a point guard, you have to be able to shoot from distance, and that's something that Trayvon Reddish can't really do right now in his career. Um, so St. Francis is going to be able to key in, and if it's just Calvin Jones, they have to sh- shut down from the three-point line. Um, you know, Drew Catlett will take that. Um, I know Elka's going to have bigger guards. Eagles Lane Christian Academy is going to have a large backcourt, and they're going to have similar athleticism to Dewan Odom. Now, they're definitely not as explosive as him, but you can throw a couple 6'4 and 6'3 guards at Odom, who's about 6'6'1". I'm interested to see how they will try to defend him because make no bones about it, the Xavier commit, Dewan Odom, he is definitely the engine for this St. Francis team. He makes everything go. And if Elka can somehow try and slow him down, if they can keep him to you know, 15 points or below, Elka's got to feel really good about themselves. Because when Odom gets going, he is driving kick. He's getting it out to C.J. Riley for threes. Uh, Chase Ellis, a uh, big, big important player for them as well. Um, two guys I'm looking at, well, I guess three guys for St. Francis. Jusson Holt, a 6'6 forward. He's had some strong games throughout the season. I'm interested to see what he can do inside against Felix Uadiale. I know I probably mispronounced that, but that is a Uadiale, a very good rebounder and a high motor guy who's, you know, looking at Division Three offers right now. Uh, that'll be an interesting matchup. But I'm looking at the youngsters, Seth Hubbard. I'm looking at Jordan Brown, another freshman. These two guys can shoot the ball from the distance. Um, Brown a little bit better at getting to the basket. Those two guys have had some nice spots throughout the season. I'm interested to see how they respond on the big stage for St. Francis. And just looking at these two rosters, Elka has the veteran group. A lot of these guys are seniors. They're definitely a very experienced team. Uh, But St. Francis has more of that true big game experience. Definitely have the big game experience. I know they fell in the state championship last year where they had some chances down the stretch, but just could not find a way to get it done. Um, But I'm I'm looking at that experience. And Elka, I know I harped on it earlier in the season as far as, well, do they have uh, that, that, you know, can they take a counterpunch? Can they counterpunch? Can they face adversity? Can they go down six points in the fourth quarter and find a way to pick themselves off the floor with three minutes left and get back into the game? We shall see. They haven't had to face that too much lately because they've been playing great basketball. But if St. Francis has them down in the fourth quarter, who is going to step up for Elka? Who is going to be the leader? Which one of these seniors is going to say, we're not losing, we're not going out this way? 
Um, I think that will be key. And even on the sidelines, it's a great matchup with Derek Mason, uh, formerly at Emmanuel College, and then Drew Catlett over there at St. Francis was an interim coach at West Virginia. So we got two of the best coaches uh, in Class A private matching wits. If I had to give a favorite in this one, I, I even going back to last year, I think St. Francis was the best team in Class A private all of last year. They, you know, I think they outscored Aquinas three out of the four quarters, uh, but ended up losing that game. Um, and I think St. Francis has been really good again. Uh, the great thing about both these teams is they really tested themselves in the non-region schedule, which is very important, and it's coming to fruition. Uh, but if I had to give a favorite in this one, I'm leaning towards St. Francis. I'm going with St. Francis. I think Dwan Odom. Is just a really special player. That match between him and Trevon Reddish, I would love to see those two guys guard each other. I don't know if it's going to happen. Um, there's going to be a lot of athleticism and next-level talent. Uh, but I think St. Francis, with all those juniors over there and some youngsters, I think they have enough in the tank to get past Elka, and I'm just going to go with St. Francis for that reason. As I take a sip of water... Let's go into 6 p.m. Class A public, starting off with the girls. Marion County, the number one ranked team in the state. They fell to a four seed due to the power rating system after they lost to Greenville in their region championship. They are playing number four in the state. Calhoun County, 29-2. They are the three seed. Um, so this will be an interesting game. Marion County has definitely something to prove after losing last year, and it did not go too well in a, a 73-52 loss to Greenville. Um, they're back to where they want to go. Fran McPherson's team is back to where where they should be. They were great all season long. Um, and I think that loss to Greenville probably helped refocus them a bit even. Uh, I know you never want to say a loss is a good thing, but you know I probably got them – to realize, hey, we are not invincible. We need to play great basketball all throughout uh, the tournament, and they've been able to do so. Um, what I'm looking at here is, uh, you know, Marion County, they got past Clinch County, 57-49. Uh, Jamisha Williams had 18 points in that one. And then Calhoun County, uh, their only two losses of the season have come to Early County, who we'll talk about later in the uh, Class 2A state championship. But they beat Tail for 46-42. Destiny Hightower hit a late three to really seal it. Um, Marion County, a lot of veterans over there, led by Ansley and Ashley Whitley, the two Virginia Tech softball signings, both about six foot one, just you know, great athletes, just so strong. Uh, could probably log some minutes in the boys' state championship game because they're that they're that talented and just that physical, and they will they will be rough and tough down there. Um, and I think that really leads to how does Calhoun County handle the Whitleys inside? That is some big size, and that is some athletic size, and that is some very talented size. And Calhoun County, they only got two seniors on the team. They got the Region 1 Player of the Year. Canisius Enoker is a senior. You got six sophomores, and then you got one freshman in Jeteria Winbush, um, who was a first-team all-region pick. But how will they deal with Ansley Whitley inside the Region 4 Player of the Year? Last year in the championship game, I know they did not win the state title, but she had seven points, 18 rebounds, three assists, three blocks. Jamisha Williams had eight points in that loss. Um, I'm looking at Marion County to win this one. Calhoun County getting this far is very impressive. Um, and obviously with, with all that youth on the roster, they might be a year ahead of schedule, even though they're going to be losing their best player in Anoker. Um, but I'm looking at Marion County. I think they've been the best team in Class A public pretty much all year long. 
And uh, with that bad taste in their mouth from last year, I think they really have something that's motivating them throughout this entire season. And uh, that is why I am looking at Marion County. With that size inside, I think they could be able to really hurt Calhoun. And uh, I'm going with Marion County in this one. At 8 p.m., we finish off day one of the state championship between number one Calhoun County, undefeated, number one seed, number one ranked, versus number two seed, number three, Trutland, who is 30-1. and one. And who was Trutland's only loss? Ding, 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 ding. In the Class A power uh, tournament, whatever event, showcase, they lost 79-72 on December 22nd to Calhoun. So Trutland, they have, uh, you know, they've seen this team before and they are going to want some revenge. And, you know, for Trutland to get this far, now they got to seal the deal. Trutland has been a team over there um, in Soperton over there near the Savannah-ish type area on the coast um, going, uh, I guess that would be considered southeast if my directions are correct. Well, that's a team that has really ran up the records and have great success and have dominated over the past four or five years, but have never been able to stamp it and finish the deal with the state title. And they've always fallen in the Final Four, the Elite Eight. But this year, they have the championship in sight. And Trutland got there with a 74-72 win over Irwin. They were dominating in the first half. But 34 to 22 at the half, I heard it was not even that close. But Irwin kept creeping back and creeping back and creeping back. But Arcavius Lovett, with the layup with two seconds left, gave them the lead for good. The Vikings got 17 points from Lovett, a senior who's about six foot six, very athletic, one of those you know hidden gems down in Class A public. And Kasabian Mitchell the Jr. had 20 points. Um, so those two guys, very good. Cam Jordan as well. Uh, will round out that attack. And they are a fairly veteran group. A lot of seniors, a lot of juniors, a couple sophomores mixed in there. But Trutland has a winning culture, and now it's time for them to do something with it. But they're seeing Calhoun County. And in our last podcast, we mentioned Calhoun County versus the boogeyman of Wilco. Wilco won, I guess, what, three straight state championships? And they had to try and knock off Wilkinson County. Went into double overtime to do it, 77-69. to And boy, oh boy, they were dead in the water. I am telling you, just reading everything that I heard, um, it was 63-59 with 12 seconds left in overtime. Down four points in overtime with 12 seconds left. And Calhoun County gets a three from Brian Smith, the co-region one player of the year with his teammate Takavius Curry. Um, to make it 64-62 after um, you know Christian Lamar split free throws with nine seconds left to make it 64-62. And then a missed shot on the other end, and guess who is there down low for the offensive rebound? It's Edwin Wims, a big body. Rebound and put back at the buzzer, sends it to double overtime. And then Wilco, you know, I guess they were just gas. They couldn't do it. And uh, Calhoun County undefeated moves on to the state championship brian smith had 16 points in those two overtimes combined finished with 30 points a kid that you know on twitter i said if this guy does not win uh class a uh, public player of the year the award means nothing i don't know if he's gonna win i'm gonna have to go through the notes we will see how he shines on the brightest stage but he put on his cape and he saved calhoun county season um and that is just stepping up big time, a senior doing senior things. Um, I'm looking at this game. I think it's going to be a very high-scoring game. 
uh, considering how their last matchup was 79-72 in favor of Calhoun County. But I think there's going to be a lot of highlights. I think it's going to be very interesting. I think it's going to be very fun. But I think it's going to be a great way to close out day one of the state championships. And I am going with... I guess I got to go with Calhoun County, even though I think Trutland might have some more size and some, you know, comparable athletes and good players. I like Trutland, but I got to go with Calhoun County. If you're undefeated at this point, um, I'm going with them. And considering how they already beat them once this year, I will have to lean towards Calhoun County in a very close one. Day two of the state championship is Thursday, March 7th, and at 2 p.m. we have Class 2A girls kicking it off early versus Douglas, and this is going to be a fun one concerning how I was parked at Georgia College and checked out all those Class 2A games. Early County with a 74-60 win over Model. We're able to put Model away um, very impressively. I mean, Model was a three seed, so they kind of handled their business for the most part. Um, Michaela Timpson, that was a story, and that's what I said in the preview. I don't know if Model's going to have anyone that can, you know, check her. Uh, they had no one that could check her. 30 points, 22 rebounds, 3 assists, and 6 blocks for the 6-3 sophomore. And then uh, Janiah Williams uh, hit five threes, and I don't know if she does it all the time because she, she has a funky shot where she shoots the shot, and then she finishes sideways, kind of like a heap. But she had five threes, had 21 points, and if she's knocking down shots like that, early county is really difficult. And to Zia Jones, um, about a 5'9 post inside, not, you know, gonna, when you first look at her, she's going to catch your eye, but she is very steady. She uses her body well. She knows positioning. She gathers herself. She takes her time. She had 13 points and nine rebounds. And they're going up against Douglas, and I tried to tell everybody, I tried to tell these people from Laney who want to come in on my DMs and badmouth me and say I don't know anything. I know a little bit. I know enough to know that Douglas was better than Laney this year, and they proved it. And Douglas had a terrible first half, a terrible first half, but they were only down about 34 to 28. And uh, Camille Smith had the game of her life for Laney. The big girl had 16 of her 18 points in the first half. Finally, there was adjustments made, and Douglas shut that off. Uh, Douglas was really playing uh, way too fast. They were breaking Laney's press with ease, but they would just dribble down and take the first shot they saw, and just it wasn't good. But then in the second half, they were able to get past the press or do whatever, and then pass it around and get to where you wanted to go. And uh, they were able to win uh, once they were able to really find their footing. And Nakia Thompson, she was clutch, 27 points. Going to Jacksonville State, 12 of 13 from the line, three rebounds, four assists, two steals. She was really good. And, I mean, what a safety blanket to have, knowing that she is that quick. She can pull up on a dime, pop that 10-footer uh, from just inside the foul line. Um, she can get all the way to the basket, draw a foul. She's going to be nearly automatic from the free throw line. Great touch. Uh, Ashanti Weems had a, a good game, 15 points, nine rebounds, four steals, one block. Um uh, but Douglas really won this game in the second half, but their on-ball defense really clamped down and got into them. And this defense was great against Banks County when they held them scoreless for about the first uh, five minutes or so of the fourth quarter to put that game away in the Sweet 16. Um, they did it again with their defense, and they have those comparable athletes. They can get the job done. Uh, 13-0 run really put this game out of reach. Uh, early in the third quarter, uh, Jaden Hamilton did get hurt for Laney. She finished with nine points. 
and uh, she never returned. But, I mean, Camille Smith was the offense for them. And considering how she only averaged four points per game heading into that game, uh, if Jaden Hamilton did get hurt, it definitely hurt Laney. And they could have won with her. Uh, but the, um, you know, the, the found points from Smith inside kind of, I feel like, offsets that just a little bit with how great she played. Uh, but uh, Kenya King uh, inside, you know, 6'4", rebounding, uh, had a bunch of rebounds, a handful of blocks, what, nine, nine points, 17 rebounds, one block. I'm looking at that matchup in the state championship. A Kenya King versus Michaela Timpson. Timpson, obviously, much more athletic, but they're the both same size. Uh, King has more bulk. I think she's going to be able to slow down Timpson a little bit. I still think Timpson's going to have a big double double just because her, you know, a great leap, uh, quick bounce off the ground, attacks the ball and athletic. She's going to really give a. Um, uh, King some fits, but King's going to be able to slow her down just a little bit. And uh, I think Timpson's going to have to have a great game for Early County to win this one. Uh, I don't know if Early County, if they press it all, um, I don't think it's going to be as effective as Laney's press was in spurts, definitely in the fourth quarter late when they tried to make that comeback. Uh, but again, from top to bottom, I think Douglas has a size. I think they'll have a, a great point guard. And I think they had that size, uh, again, you know, repetitive, but with King that can kind of get in the way of Timpson and try and slow her down along with Caleb Pruitt to just throw some bodies at them. And I think Douglas, who I said as the tournament started, picked them to win the state championship, thought they were great after they were having all those close results, the great 7-8 teams. And there's no reason why I can pick against Douglas. I think it'll be an interesting game, but early county, um, they're going to have to have some people step up. Williams is going to have to have some threes. But, uh, again, I think Douglas went to Kia Thompson, and, you know, they've seen the best of the best of the best of the best and how they blew out Fitzgerald by double digits in the Elite Eight after Fitzgerald swept Early County. I guess it was eh, might have been three times this year. Um, I, I like Douglas in this one. Four p.m., Class 2A boys, Farrell versus Vidalia, I became friends with the Vidalia, Vidalia, I apologize, Vidalia, a student section of Bleacher Creatures, they are going to have a big role in this game, but Therrell, just looking at what they did against Elbert County, they're down 34 to 20, uh, 19 to 4 outscored Elbert in the third quarter and ended up running away 57 to 47. Therrell, this is why you play great non-region opponents. They've seen some of the best of the best across the state, across classifications, and they played, you know, nuts up right there with them, or, you know, they beat them or they lost by two points. And Therrell has been in this spot before, and they pulled it out. And Robbie Armbrester, you know, they just play bully ball. And, again, this is what we said all year. If you got to beat – if you're going to beat Therrell, you have to play a 2-3 zone. you, you got to swallow your pride at this point. I know Elbert was on top, and they were up 14 points. They couldn't close the deal. I'm sorry. I don't care. You have to play a 2-3 zone. You can't match their physicality, their athleticism, their size. You have to play a 2-3 zone the entire game and force them to hit eight or nine or ten threes. That's it. And if you don't do that, you're just being stubborn at this point. Now, of course, Vidalia could go out there and win and play man-to-man. And I mean, they're a great defensive team, but I'm telling you, the personnel, Farrell has better personnel than pretty much everybody in Class A and Class 2A this year. And they have just played bully ball with Robbie Armbrester and Cam Fortson inside. And um, 
you got to play a 2-3 zone. But with that being said, Armbrester 17 and 10, Cam Fortson 13 points, 14 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 blocks, and Zyquan Morton, the guy who has been in and out of the lineup, I haven't seen him play this year. You know, it's not a pretty three-point shot. He throws it up there, but he hit three threes and had 11 points and three rebounds and four assists and two steals. And we said, Farrell needs outside shooting. And now Morton, he, you know, he hit three of them. He might have been like three of nine or three of ten, but those are three threes that you weren't going to find anywhere else. So that was majorly important for Farrell. And then Rashawn Frederick, the junior, as he did against South Paulding when he – Picked up a loose ball and hit a dagger three to win that game. Again, he did the same thing. Finally hits an outside shot. He had 10 points, 8 rebounds. Hits a dagger three with 106 left to make it 50-45. to 45. He is a big shot maker down the stretch, especially from deep. Frederick rises to the occasion, uh, and he got the job done. And Vidalia, 53-44, the magic number, 46. I tried telling everybody, 46-46-46. That's the most points they've allowed during the state tournament. How many points does Laney score? 44 points. Um, Xavier McClendon had 16 points, 14 in the second half, and 10 rebounds. Antrell Williams had 9 points. Jonathan Moody and Anthony Jones, 7 apiece. And that win over Lanny. But, you know, Vidalia, they're good. I think their guards will be able to be pretty composed against Farrell, especially when Farrell likes to speed the game up. Um, Vidalia is going to have to play at their pace. They're going to have to play on their terms. They're going to have to play defensive. And again, 46 is a big target number for them. Um, I, you know, they, they don't quite have the personnel to match up. Now, Xavier McClendon had a really good game, but, you know, Laney, they didn't have a ton of size. They had a 6'4, 6'5, and Matthew Jones, but that was about it. And even Jones gave them some problems uh, with 10 points. But now you're going up against Robbie Armbruster, Cam Fortson. Um, Rashawn Frederick, those are big, athletic, strong guys. Um, but Dahlia, again, my recommendation is play a 2-3 zone and say if you beat us, you're going to beat us by hitting 8 to 10 threes, and that's how you beat us. If you don't want to go that route, um, you might be up, but Farrell's been down many times this year, a couple times this year, and they find found ways to get the job done. Um, and just you know, kind of basing off the, the type of athletes and everything by Dahlia, uh, they lost three times to Woodville Tompkins, a very fundamentally sound team that does have some athletes and has some length inside. Um, if you're Vidalia, you do have to feel really good because you did beat um, South Atlanta 46-43, and South Atlanta did beat Farrell twice. Um, but again, I'm very interested to see uh, what Tommy Daly does as far as the game plan goes. How will you try to defend Farrell? And again, I recommend force him to take as many threes as possible. Um but just due to the simple fact of the personnel and the bully ball and how many great teams they've beaten throughout the year, I think Farrell wins this one very close in an ugly, low-scoring game controlled by Vidalia. Uh, but I think Farrell, just with that bully ball inside, I think they do find a way to win the state championship. Class 3A. We have 6 p.m. Hart County versus defending state champions, the Johnson Adam Smashers. And just seeing what Hart County was able to do against Beach. If you beat a team like Beach, you beat one of those scary, scary, scary teams from Savannah, in Savannah, in the Final Four, in a very rough facility, formerly known as Armstrong State. 62 to 58. Hart County, they got to feel really good about themselves. And Torreon Starks, a stud. You get to see her on the big stage now. Western Kentucky 
athletic, a good offensive rebounder, got some size at the point guard spot, 35 points, hit nine free throws down the stretch at one point. She took over the game, and Beach was saying before the game, they got the best three guards in the state of Georgia. That might not be true. They have three of the better, best, good guards, but uh, the best guard on the court was Torian Starks. And uh, Shakendra Grove, she will be key in this one. She hit five threes last round. She's a deep three-point shooter. If her shot is calibrated, that is going to be very important. But the X Factor only had eight points this game. Tania Alexander, about six foot, six foot one, big body, the sophomore. She's a gobbles up rebound. She scores inside. If those three are clicking and talking to Coach Edwards, he still feels like they haven't all necessarily been playing at that high clip at the same time. And uh, Erika Teasley, I know I probably pronounced that name wrong, but that's more of a defensive type player uh, in the mold of Torian Starks, an athletic long uh, wing. But if they get everyone clicking at the same time, Hart County is very tough. And Torian Starks is going to have to have a big game. And, uh, you know, I think she can do that. But you're playing Johnson, 64-52 over Sonoraville, a 12-point win. You know, obviously just out-quicked Sonoraville in a lot of these, uh, you know, a lot of these positions here. Jemiah Cutter had 17 points. Uh, Antaliza Baker had 13. Uh, Zariah Mobley, Jasmine Thompson, and Jacobia Huey, uh, 9 points. They're playing the Hart County team that is going to be able to match up uh, better with them athletically. But, you know, Jefferson had a quite the athletic team as well, and uh, they really shut them down and, and took care of them, what, like 42 to 28, something like that. So it'll be a very interesting matchup. I'm looking at Johnson. They have been here before, and I think championship pedigree is something very important and something you can't sleep on. And they know how to win these games. Hart County's never been here. Uh, Hart County's going to bring the entire city of Hartwell. They're going to bring everyone there. And I think this is going to be a really good game. Jemiah Cutter versus Torian Starks. That could be where the game is won. That's where I think the game is going to be won. Um, I'm just interested to see who will step up alongside Starks. Will it be Grove? Will she be hitting threes? Will Alexander be able to dominate inside? Ah, it's very tough to pick this one. I'm not sure who I'm going with. Um, it's it's really a toss-up game, as a lot of these games really are at this point of the year. Um, before the season, uh, before the tournament started, I had Johnson losing to Beach in the championship. Things have obviously shifted. Um, I don't know. I think Hart County coming out of Region 8, they've seen the likes of Morgan County. They've seen the likes of Jefferson. They've seen uh, Franklin County with Bailey Breed live healthy. They've, they've seen really, really good teams. And not to say Johnson hasn't because Johnson's played a really good non-region schedule as well, and they have prepared them. Um, I want to lean towards Johnson because because they have been there before, uh, but Hart County being able to you know show some real – you know, heart and guts to beat Beach pretty much on Beach's home floor. I think that will bode well for the next round. And, you know, spur of the moment, I, I, I think I'm going to follow my heart and I'm going to go with Hart County in this one. And to finish off Thursday, March 7th at the Macon Centerplex at 8 p.m., we have the 3A boys matchup, Hart County versus Morgan County. Um... These two teams obviously know everybody. Uh, a Region 8 matchup. Uh, Morgan County handled them twice this year uh, in, in a pretty impressive fashion. Uh, just pulling that up real quick. Both games, I believe, were double-digit double double wins. Uh, they won 70-53 to at Hart County. 
And then 66 to 55, they handled Hart County. Uh, but Hart has been playing outstanding basketball down the stretch here. And I'm looking for, uh, you know, Rex McCord had 28 points against Dawson County. They ran Dawson County out of the gym with their quickness. Jordan Langston had 19, and Sean Webb had 12 points. Um, and just looking quickly at what Morgan County did against Windsor Forest, 80 to 63, outclass Windsor. Um, Alec Woodard had 23, Tyron Lawrence 21, Stephen Green 18. So I'm looking at this game. Um, Hart County, what they've really been able to get by with is they have some quickness, they have some athletes, they're a well-coached team, and uh, they had some, uh, I wouldn't say, you know, I guess that the Pace Academy game, that was a kind of tough game. Pace was without Cole Middleton, their best player. They beat them in the second round. Elite Eight, they ran into Johnson, who had a 6'9", and Lamont Sampson, 6'6", and Brandon Harrison, a Mondre Bowles, a super tough guard. And I thought that was going to be a really tough matchup, but they came back and won that one. And uh, then from start to finish, they dominated Dawson County. And, uh, you know, just talking about pace, um, talking about, uh, what we say, uh, North Murray, I believe it was, and then talking about um, uh, that, that, that Johnson game. Um, three games that Hart County trailed in the fourth quarter, but people hit shots. And Sean Webb, I think he had seven points to close out that game against Johnson in the fourth quarter. This sophomore, I've been trying to tell everybody that listens to this podcast, he might not be a five-star superstar prospect. He might not even be a Division One prospect right now. But this sophomore can flat-out play with his ability to defend multiple positions. He is going to have to have a big game. Rex McCord, who had 33 against Johnson, and then, of course, 28 against Dawson County. Um, he's just going to have to be tough and tough and tough and tough and go up against it. I think it's going to be a really tough matchup for him, though, because Morgan County is going to be able to match all that athleticism. And like I said, uh, talking to someone before the before this matchup, it's kind of like Hart County on steroids. Uh, Morgan County is you know, just as athletic, just as talented, but bigger and stronger and a little bit quicker at every single position. And they've been able to handle them. Uh, in these two games and you know last year in the region championship you know it went to double overtime 71-68 it was a really close game but Morgan County found a way to win that one um, I think this will be a tough matchup for Hart I think they're gonna leave it all out there on the line but Morgan County with all this that three seniors Stevan, uh, Alec and a Tyron and then you, you throw in Malik Crawford who got eligible later in the season Nolan Coswell is a 6'9 guy you can throw out there um, I like Morgan County in this one, and I really do think Morgan County is, if they win the state championship, they really do look like a, maybe like a top five best team in the state of Georgia this year. Friday, March 8th, starting at 11 a.m. We got an early start here. We got the um, AASP wheelchair game. At, at 3 p.m., so that gives us a little break in the action. But obviously, if you're in the area, go out there and support those adapted sports athletes. Always great games, and Houston County is always there. Um, but 11 a.m., 4A girls, we have Spalding versus Carver Columbus. And these are two teams that uh, I would say know each other. Uh, I believe they played last year in the uh, in the similar round, Final Four last year. Um, so there is something to prove for Carver. Carver has been a, a loaded team. Um, you know, getting past uh, Flowery Branch, uh, they really relied on the, the big horse inside. Olivia Cochran had a monster game with 29 points and 16 rebounds. Uh, she was big for them, obviously, and that's been someone that um, really no one has been able to really slow down over the course of her career after she transferred in from Hardaway. Um, 
she is the, the real deal, as I said, really strong. But I'm interested to see what happens because last year in the Final Four, oh, boy, we saw Spalding beat Carver 58-51. And Carver had a lead in this one for a while. And uh, Coriana Evans was in foul trouble throughout. But Spalding kept it close, kept it close. And then when they took the lead, um, you know, that, that game slipped away really quickly from Coach Hunley. Um, Anaya Jester had 15 points in that one. Uh, you're looking at, uh, you know, Evans, who hardly played, but she scored six of her eight points in the fourth quarter in a three-minute span to put it away. Um, you're looking at Carver Columbus, you know, Olivia Cochran had eight points, 17 rebounds, three blocks. She's going to have to score some more. Uh, Janiah Lovehill going to Columbus State, 11.7 rebounds and five assists in this one. Um, so this is going to be a really good matchup. Spalding coming off a, a, a win over Luella. <laughs> they held Luella uh, to six points in the second half. It was 23-22, and then they won 50-28. Coriana Evans, 17 points, and Jester 13. Um, Spalding is very tough. And if you're just looking at the rosters, Carver has a better roster. Carver has one of the best teams in the state of Georgia. But Spalding gets in you defensively. They are some tough-nosed girls. Uh, the Milner sisters out there as well play their role. Um, without Kiana Banks there who graduated, I think that could be a key loss. She had a really good game against Carver last year. Uh, I don't know. I, I want to pick Carver in this one because I do think they have they have the talent, like I said. Uh, the guard play, I might have to give that advantage to Spalding with Jester just because she's a real tough cookie. Um I think, I mean, I, you know, Carver is undefeated. They are ranked number one. I think Carver, if, if they're going to win a state championship, it's going to have to be this year. Uh, I think they'll do just enough. But the key matchup here, I'm looking at Evans versus Cochran. I think that's a star-studded matchup. Um, but I think Carver finds a way just enough uh, to get some revenge and uh, put a stop to Spalding. But I, I know Spalding is not going to make it easy whatsoever. At 1 p.m., it's a Region 1 party. And boy, oh boy, America Sumter versus Carver Columbus. Uh, I know Carver has had a great year. Carver has had a great, great, great year this year. And just looking at the the final regular season poll, uh, Carver was fifth and America Sumter fell to seventh. I don't know how you pick against America Sumter. I know those two teams have hooked up this year and played a couple times. Let me pull that up real quick to see how they did against each other. Um, let's see here. In their first meeting, let's see. It was 80 to 54. America Sumter blew Carver out of the water. Then they lost 72 to 67 at Carver. Then they lost 52 49 in overtime against Carver again. And then they lost 55 54 in the region championship. So uh, they won their first one going away. Then they lost three straight to Carver. But I am not picking against America Sumter. No way, no how. Coming out of the gauntlet of the left side of the bracket, outscoring up some lead 21-6 in the fourth quarter to win at the Castle. You go into St. Pius, you dominate from the opening tip. And then Sandy Creek, who this had to be the year for Sandy Creek, not against America Sumter, 63-56. Josh Hussein picking up Division One offers now, 19 points, 11 rebounds. 
just too strong. Trey Brown has had a phenomenal state playoff run. He's been really good. Uh, that dynamic duo is just out-toughing people, playing very good defense and getting enough scoring from everybody else to help them out. Cover Columbus. Um, they won 58-50 against Woodward. A.J. Watts had 28 points. Um, they had some great dunks. Jalen King putting people on uh, body bags, you know, highlight packages. Uh, A.J. Watts is going to have to have a really, really good game, but the emergence of Trey Brown during this postseason stretch and Josh Lussain, I don't know. I, I, I know Carver's really, really good, and obviously I'm not surprised if they win this game, but it is just way too hard for me to pick against America Sumter, beating Upson Lee, beating St. Pius, beating Sandy Creek. I have America Sumter beating Carver Columbus. After the Adapted Sports Championship at 3 p.m., we come back to Class 5A, 6 p.m. It is here, Buford versus Villarica on the girls' side. Of course, these two teams hooked up a year ago. Buford was able to pull away late. They ended Villarica's season uh, in the Final Four, 60-46. And now they hook up four the state championship, Villarica undefeated. Buford, uh, very stingy in their own right, considering how they lost so much. Audrey Weiner at Air Force, Tori Osmond at Michigan State. But Gene Durden has Buford 28-2. and two, And uh, they are just doing what they always do. And what they always do is win, win, and win. And Buford got past Southwest Cab 51-38. Tate Walters, 21 points, 7 rebounds, 3 steals. Ebony Grant, 6 points and 12 rebounds. And Preston Reed had 6 points, 4 rebounds, 4 assists, and 5 steals. And Villarica, they had a scare from Columbia, 57-50. That athleticism of Columbia and that length, uh, they, they, they scared them. But Kentucky signee Deja Merrill, 6 of 8 from the line down the stretch. Uh, to ISIS one had 26 points and 19 rebounds. Sakia Cofield had 12 points. Um, but they're going to have to have big games. Uh, so here it is. The, this is a matchup. Buford does not have a lot of size inside. And De'Asia Merrill's about six foot, six foot one, and extremely versatile. Um, they can hurt Buford inside if they chose to put uh, Merrill on the block. But I have a. I have a feeling that they're going to do everything in their power to make post-touches, especially extremely difficult for De'Asia Merrill. And they're going to try and push her out to the perimeter and try and force her to become a jump shooter. De'Asia is an inside-out problem. She's very skilled. She's very talented. She has a high IQ. She makes winning plays. Um, if Philarica wins this game, she's going to have to have a great game. It's not going to be 14 points and then... You know, T. Wyndham, 10 points, and this, that. She's going to have to be 20-plus, and she's going to have to dominate to beat Buford because Buford has played so many good teams and has beaten so many really good teams. And, you know, Buford playing a Westlake, uh, you can pull uh, pull from that loss earlier in the season and try and find something to take away from that because you were playing one of the better teams in the state, and now you're playing a Villarica team with one of the better players in the state. Um, I'm looking for defense to really decide this game. Who can turn the other team over more? Who can limit turnovers themselves? Um, defense will be very key in this one. Like I said, I'm interested to see how they defend uh, De'Asia Merrill, but I'm looking at Aliyah Hinsman. She's going to have to really step up for Villarica uh, and T. Wyndham as well at the guard spots. And, and Buford, you know, Sarah Vitti has been able to score in double figures throughout the year. 
Um, Tatum Osmond, you know, just so many girls that can, you know, death by a thousand paper cuts, 10 points, 10 points, 8 points, 8 points, 8 points, not one true superstar. If you had to pick a star player, I guess it'd be Tate Walters. Um, but Buford, uh, it's, you know, Villarica can very well win this one, but I just have to go with Buford to end Villarica's season for the second straight year. I just, you know, all the great teams they have played throughout the year has prepared them for this stretch. And uh, Billerica, they played some decent teams that, you know, a lot of the best teams they saw were in their region. But Buford, I mean, just the, just the resume they've been able to compile throughout the year. Um, I think they will find a way. And again, it goes back to that championship DNA. Uh, Buford has been here before. Billerica has not. And I, I have to go with Buford. We now are entering the nightcap of day three, which is March, let's see here, March 8th at 8 p.m., Buford versus Fayette County. Boy, I said near the beginning of the season once uh, Fayette County started racking off some wins, Fayette County has a potential state championship winning uh, roster. They can contend for a state championship and uh, now they're seeing Buford. Buford, they beat Southwest Cab 59-50. Danelle Nixon going to Wingate, 20 points, hit six threes. Katie Johnson, 17 points in the loss. Well, James Glisson had 12 in the loss, but uh, Nixon was the key for Buford down the stretch. I know Marcus Watson had some highlight plays as well. Uh, and then looking at Fayette County, 69-62. Uh, that one went into overtime, and Fayette County had a like a 52-45 lead going into the fourth quarter, maybe. And they let their foot off the gas pedal, and Lithonia forced overtime. But Ricky, uh, well, Lithonia had the lead, but Ricky Knight hit a late three with five seconds left to force overtime, and Knight had 20 points. Uh, Jacoby Coleman had 15. Will Richard had 16, who I projected as a um, an X-factor in that game, along with Justin Miles for Lithonia, who also had 16 points. But, you know, Breaking down this one, again, this is another one where Buford has been here before. Fayette County has not. I think Buford has played at a very high level all throughout the year and has been, you know, closing in on that. You know, it's tough to make sense of it, but if I was saying, you know, if 100% of the time you're playing at a championship level, I would say Buford's maybe played at that about 98% of the time. And Fayette County, they've had some weird spells. You know, Jonesboro, they had their number late during the regular season. And region tournament lost to them twice. Uh, even in the first round, that hangar of, you know, a 38-36 win over New Hampstead. You know, if, if Buford's playing at a 98% championship level, Fayette County might be at like a 90% championship level where they've, they've shown some kinks in the armor here and there, but they've found ways to win when they really needed to. And that, I'm telling you, that sweet 16 win over Eagles Landing, I think it was 68-54, to 54, that was a turning point for this roster and for this team to say, hey, we are back, we can win these games. Then they go on and beat Kel 77-73. And then, of course, his 69-62 win against Lithonia where Ricky Knight bailed them out and hit that late three. Um, but Buford, their size with two six sixes and Eric Coleman going to High Point, Marcus Watson going to Oklahoma State. Uh, they're real important. They are going to be big. Um, Donnell Nixon. We mentioned him, just his ability to knock down the outside shot and a lot of other really good uh, role player pieces that can come in there and, and hit you up for six or eight points and play good defense. Fayette uh, County, they're going to have to be hitting their threes. And I know that's obvious to say, but their outside shots are going to have to fall. Colby Coleman is going to have to be locked in with Ricky Knight. 
um, from the opening tip. If, if Fayette County comes out cold, I don't think they're going to win this game. This cannot be a, a game where they hit, you know, only four or five threes and are, you know, shooting 20%. They're going to have to hit upwards of six, seven, eight threes, and they're going to have to be accurate with it. They're going to have to really knock down those threes uh, because if it's cold shooting, especially in a, a tough facility you've never played in before, the backdrop's a little different. Um, it could be a, a rough night for Fayette County, but I, I think they'll play just fine. And again, William Richard, I think he will be very key in this one, uh, providing what he provides at that forward spot, even though he's going to be giving up a lot of size. Uh, but Josh Dupree, uh, another guy who's just a great athlete who can you know, out-athlete pretty much anybody in the state, he is going to have to be getting to the basket. He's going to have to rebound. He's going to have to make the right passes. He's been a, a very good assist man this year, a very nice floor game. He's going to have to be key. He's not much of a three-point shooter, uh, more of an energy guy and slasher. He'll have to have a good game. But uh, I, I, I got to lean towards Buford in this one just because they are Buford and Eddie Martin. If he wants to potentially go out with the bang or just, you know, hang another banner over there at Buford, uh, I, I'm going with uh, I'm going with Buford in this one just because I think they played at that championship level uh, just a little bit longer and a little bit more than Fayette County has. But Fayette County is hot, but don't forget they almost did lose to Lithonia. Ricky Knight did hit that late three to get them there. Um, but, but I do kind of like Buford in this one. Uh, just a little bit more gusto and Marcus Watson just, you know, a little bit too big and a little bit too talented for Fayette County. Uh, but again, Fayette County, if those three-point shots are dropping, they have a shot. Um, but I like Buford in this one. The final day of the GHSA season is March 9th, Saturday, at the Macon Centerplex at 1 p.m. Class 6A Girls Lanier versus Lovejoy. Lanier shot 8% in the first half. They were miserable. They trailed uh, 22-13 late in the third quarter, and then they caught fire and beat Forest Park 44 38. Michaela Fuller, 15 points. Nala Lawrence, 10 points. Chris Avell, Azuma, 10 points. And then you're looking at Lovejoy, just another ho hum destruction of Valdosta. 69 46. Anaya Boyd, 17 points, 7 rebounds, 6 assists, 3 steals, 4 blocks. Genesis Bryant, 16 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists. Um, I'm trying not to overthink this one, I, and I, I said it in the podcast. I kind of wanted to pick Lanier against Forest Park, but I, you know, I'm trying not to be a flip flopper too much. And you know, Forest Park probably more talented at, as far as the next level goes, but some X and O's were involved, and some toughness was involved, and Lanier was able to out tough Forest Park down the stretch. Um, but again, I'm trying not to overthink this one. Lovejoy has been the best team in the state of Georgia the entire season. You cannot argue with that. They are the best team in Georgia. Lanier, well, I guess they they match up okay with Lovejoy because Forest Park, though they did not beat Lovejoy, they played them to the final possession, what, all three times this year? And Lanier is going to have with Coach Tim Slater, uh, you know, a little – a little bit more success on the sidelines, possibly, um, but they're going to have to score the rock. They can't have a, another eight percent, you know, shooting night 
against Lovejoy. And Lovejoy's dang good defensively. Now, Lovejoy doesn't have that size that Forrest Park has, uh, but their quickness and their speed and their, you know, their, their, their overall team defense, uh, it'll be interesting to see how they do against Lanier. Um, I don't know if they can hold them to 8% shooting from the field, but they're going to be able to defend in a different manner than Forrest Park did. Uh, Forrest Park with that length, but you know, Lovejoy more quickness and team defense, a different defense. Um, Caitlin Searles will have to have a great game for Lanier and, uh, you know, going up against Anaya Boyd. Um, I, I, I do like Lovejoy to win this one. I, again, I keep harping on, I'm trying not to overthink it. I'm trying not to overthink it. I'm trying not to overthink it. Lovejoy has been the best team all year. Jonna Robinson's very good. Mariah Spain helps out. Uh, coach Cedric King is a great, great coach. He gets the absolute most out of his girls. And when you already have a talented roster and you get a head coach that gets the most out of them, uh, you're really tough to beat. Uh, I think Lanier can hang around with this one. They'll have to make it ugly. Lanier is a defensive team. And, you know, Lovejoy's a defensive team too, but they have some firepower to hang, you know, 60, 70, 80 points on you uh, if need be. Uh, but Lanier, uh, you know, Lanier's probably going to want this game more ugly in the 40s and the low 50s uh, to beat Lovejoy. Uh, interested to see what Tim Slater does against Anaya Boyd or Genesis Bryant, probably going to attack them and really make them get the job done on both sides of the floor. Uh, Lanier definitely has a shot at this one, but I just I can't pick against Anaya Boyd and Genesis Bryant, the best backcourt in the state of Georgia. Uh, but, you know, more than enough uh, fuel and firepower between Michaela Fuller, Nala Lawrence, and uh, Kalen Searles. They have a chip on their shoulder. They are tough. They want to win games, and you can't put that past anybody at this point. But I think Lovejoy is just going to have just a little bit too much star power, and I think Lovejoy will win a gritty game over Lanier. And on the boys' side, in Class 6A, we will tip this baby off at 3 p.m., Tri-Cities versus Tucker. Tri-Cities 83-74 over Brunswick. Region 5 player of the year, Titus Hunter, exploded for 28 points. Jamarcus Johnson, Demarcus Johnson, 20 points uh, in the win. And Demetrius Reeves, 15 points. And then you're looking at Tucker, 52-46 over Heritage Conyers. Braylon Seals, 19 points. Dartmouth signee, Nate Ogbu, had 17-10 and 10 in the win. And Jermonte Hill had 8 points. Um... Interesting matchup, Tri-Cities. Uh, again, just looking at how the season has gone, they've been pretty much a top three team as far as how they were trending. You know, you lose a game here or there in that 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 tough Region 5, the best region in Georgia. Uh, so you're not always going to be riding wire to wire as the number one team in the state, but they've seen some dang good opponents throughout the postseason, throughout the regular season, throughout the non-region schedule. Amari Forts has this team uh, – exceptionally well prepared he's a great coach he's got a a lot of experience with those guys um so i I feel like tri-cities has been probably the best team one of the best teams wire to wire now tucker tucker started off slow this year they have a bunch of transfers that came in hartree has got them playing better basketball right now um jermonta hill has had some really good moments throughout the postseason especially in the elite eight i think he had about 29 points or, yeah, in the lead eight. Um, but, uh, you know, looking at a team, I think Tri-Cities is the better overall team. If I'm looking at individual talent, I think Tucker has enough individual talent to win this state championship. 
Uh, with Nick Watson, the region player of the year, a three-point specialist, uh, it'll be interesting to see what Tri-Cities does to def- defend him. I would think they would want to run him off the three-point line and just make him try to make plays off the bounce. Um, Nate Ogbu is going to have to have a big game like he did against Heritage Conyers. He's going to have to use that size inside, battling against the likes of Alex Bean down low. Um, but Tri-Cities with Peyton Daniels and uh, Demarcus Johnson, if those two guys are able to catch fire from deep or just you know start hitting outside shots, I think that will loosen up the defense and open up some slashing lanes uh, for Titus Hunter. Um, I like Tri-Cities in this one. Again, for the simple fact they played in the best region. They played really well throughout the year. Um, again, Tucker might have some more individual next-level talent, uh, but I really trust Amari Forts. I really trust uh, the toughness of this Tri-Cities team. I think Tucker will make this a very good game. I think this game is going to go down to the wire, um, but I think I'm going with Tri-Cities uh, for what they've been able to do the entire season, and that's a team that has not really played down to competition too much. Um, Tucker did that, but that was earlier in the season. And I think Tri-Cities, uh, just going based on what they've done throughout the uh, throughout the tournament even, uh, I think they've been more impressive throughout the state tournament. You're looking at Tri-Cities playing a Lanier team who was the number one uh, seed heading into their Region 8 tournament before falling to the four seed. Uh, they beat them 84-68. Then you beat Chattahoochee 75-64. You beat Mundy's Mill 77-72. And then Brunswick 83-74. And if you're looking at Tucker's route, you beat Valdosta 65-49. Valdosta's not that great. You beat Evans, a pretty solid team, 65-63. I think that one went into double overtime. You pull away from Gainesville 65-58. And then you beat Heritage 52-46. So I just think Tri-Cities has had a tougher route. And I think Tri-Cities has been uh, more battle-tested throughout the year. And they've been playing very good basketball. So I'm going with the Bulldogs of Tri-Cities to win the state championship. Class 7A girls, we are in our final classification at 5 p.m. on Saturday, March 9th. Undefeated Westlake versus Collins Hill. In Westlake, uh, I thought North Forsyth could muck it up and make an ugly low-scoring game and keep it close, and that did not happen. Uh, 21-5 at the half, I believe. 48-26, Westlake barrels them over. Uh, Snoop Turnage broke out and had a good game of 14 points. Um, so that was all said and done. And then Collins Hill, they find a way past Cherokee. Cherokee missed a ton of layups. They left that game on the table. Probably could have won that game from everything I heard. Uh, did not go well. Had a couple players not play up to the, their standards. But Collins Hill, as I kind of projected in that win, I think they, you know, they, they just somehow get past Cherokee in an ugly game. Um, Bria Harmon had 21 points in that one. Uh, this one, I think Westlake wins this one. Uh, Westlake undefeated for a reason. I know they're a younger team, but I think Hankerson, Hilda Hankerson, does a good job on the sidelines of getting those girls to really buy into what they're supposed to do. Um, and I think she'll she'll go out there and she'll scout, and uh, that's important this time of year is you know, doing, your, doing your work as a coach. Um, Raven Johnson, she's going to be key. She's better than Bria Harmon, and she's bigger than her, and she's going to give Bria Harmon some troubles if they uh, if they hook up defending each other. Uh, Lydia Freeman, 6'4", mountain of a girl, has a soft touch inside. 
Um, she'll be able to somewhat slow down Javen Nicholson unless Nicholson is able to somehow spread out that defense and get a one-on-one opportunity and try and beat her off the dribble uh, if Lydia Freeman is guarding her man-to-man. That will be um, Nicholson's one uh, one spot where she can beat her. Nicholson's more skilled, uh, but you know, in girls' basketball, you got that big size inside and you at least know how to use your body and your length. Uh, she's going to make life really difficult on Nicholson. I can see Nicholson gobbling up about 15 rebounds in this game, but I don't know if she's going to be able to get 25 points and 15 rebounds. I think it's going to be really tough. And with Katrin Forey still out, uh, that's that three-point shooter that's going to space out the floor. That's going to hurt them. Jordan Relford has played well for Collins Hill, but they're not going to be there. I'm looking at Olympia Cheney, um, Carlise Hooks. All, all those girls will really help out Westlake. And then Snoop Turnage has just, you know, just throw her out there at about six foot and athletic. Just go defend multiple positions. Go block some shots. Go rebound and hit some layups for me. Uh, I think Westlake will beat Collins Hill. And I think they might beat them by double digits. The final game of the 2018-2019 GHSA season, 7 p.m., Undefeated, number one in the nation, number one in the state, McEachern versus the defending state champions, Meadow Creek. Boy, oh boy. Uh, McEachern 66-62 in overtime against Norcross. It was a phenomenal game, but again, Norcross uh, underachieves again with a a star-studded lineup of transfers. They can't get the job done again. And McEachern playing just five, six dudes, um, that cohesion, that chemistry, that uh, that conditioning of just playing all those minutes. They found a way. Jared Jones kept them in it in the first half, knocking down three threes. Uh, Sharif Cooper, after having a couple turnovers, turned it on, finished with 26 points. And uh, McKeechan got the job done. And then Meadow Creek, what did I say? I said this is going to be a low-scoring game. I said it was going to be ugly. I said Tiff County is going to muck it up. They beat the hell out of Tiff County, 73-36, to an elite, elite defensive team. My goodness, South Florida signee Jameer Chaplin, 20 points. UAB signee Jalen Benjamin, 19. Damian Dunn going to Temple, 11 points. Kedrick Green, 7 points. So here we are, Meadow Creek versus McEachern. And to be honest with you, the teams I felt had the best shot of beating McEachin this year, Norcross and Meadow Creek. Norcross could not get the job done in overtime. Now Meadow Creek gets a chance. Meadow Creek is going to defend you. They will play physical with you. They have size. They can throw it out there. They will defend. Uh, Jamani Watkins inside is a big fellow who will be banging with Jared Jones. Isaac Okoro is going to get a heavy dose of uh, either Jameer Chaplin or Damian Dunn, I would imagine. Jalen Benjamin can get up in you. He will defend Sharif Cooper. Boy, oh boy. And Keidra Green, he was key um, in the state championship last year. He had some nice passes. I really love how he plays the game of basketball. He has a great feel for it. Uh, I know everyone's going to say McEachin's going to win this one, and it would be the storybook ending uh, for this team, and it is extremely difficult to pick against McEachin. But Meadow Creek, with how well they played against Tiff County, leaving no doubt defensively, offensively, the size, the switchability on defense if they need to, Meadow Creek over McEachern in the state championship 
repeat on picking the Mustangs, the toughness, especially when they have a carrot dangling in front of them to say, ooh, we can spoil this party. The number one ranked team in the nation. We get no respect. This is our state. This is our GHSA. This is our Georgia High School Basketball Association. We are Meadow Creek. We are the defending state champions. They are going to have something to prove. McEachin obviously does as well. They have not played in a state championship before. They played in numerous tournament championships. But the GHSA is something different. It will be a sellout crowd even though we're in Macon. Uh, But Meadow Creek, the toughness, the size... The versatility. I'm just going to keep things interesting. I know I picked McEachern as we opened up the uh, opened up the tournament. I believe was my pick. I'm going with Meadow Creek, and I think Meadow Creek can shock the world because the past three years in Class 7A, the quote-unquote underdog has won the state title, and I think we might see it again in the nation's toughest classification, Class 7A of the GHSA. And that is a wrap. That is my state championship preview. Sandy Spiel. Spielin' and dealing. Going to have to get a throat lozenge after this. Drink this water. Try to make sure I'm healthy. Heading down to Macon tomorrow. We will be in Macon the entire weekend. I got my suits and ties and bow ties and shiny shoes all picked out. Please come support these guys in Macon. We have a great four days of high school basketball. And as always, I could not do it without the help of everybody via Twitter, via the coachings, uh, coaching staffs across the state of Georgia. I would not be here without you. Thank you if you donated to the GoFundMe page. Every penny is appreciated, but nothing is expected. It's been a journey. It's been fun. We might be able to recap these state championship games. We might not. I'm not sure. Either way, all state teams will be coming out. Uh, possibly by the end of next week, I have a very good grasp of who is where, um, but just going to make some final finishing touches to that. Uh, but again, follow all the action of the state tournament. If you don't have the NFHS network, follow Kyle Sandy 355. I will be out and about. I will be trying to make the rounds, see if I can get some good gossip, some good news. Um, so follow me for this week in making coaches carousel. Uh, keep track of that throughout the offseason as uh, new coaching jobs across the GHSA open and will be posted uh, throughout the offseason on sandyspiel.com. And without remaining to do the closing remarks, I guess I will sign it off myself. Kyle Sandy, thank you for listening. The GHSA February Frenzy, we're coming to a close. It is officially March Madness, and the march to Macon has begun. I will see you later this week. See ya.